Okay, so we are in part five of this six-part series called 365 and 1. And in this series, we're simply being reminded of the fact that God has given us 365 days every year, and we are to be using each and every one of those days to look for that one person whom we know or may know uh, that is spiritually separated from Jesus. Okay, they are, in effect, spiritually lost. And this one, this could be anybody. Right, it could be somebody that lives with you. You could be related to them. It could be somebody that you see at work or you see at school. It could be a friend. It could be a neighbor. It could be somebody that you play sports with or that you just hang out with. It could be anyone. And throughout this series, our goal has been just to encourage you to keep that one person in mind. We actually have handed out uh, bookmarks, and there are still some available in the, the, uh, the lobby area there if you want to pick one up. But we challenge you to write their name down so that you'll just think about them and be reminded of them and pray for them and look for an opportunity to develop a relationship with them so that in turn, you can tell them about who Jesus is and the difference he has made in their life. And to help you with that, what we did was we, um, we, we presented to you an, a, an equation, a formula that will help explain things. And so the formula is, is right there. It's high potency plus close proximity plus clear communication equals maximum impact. So if you want the greatest, the maximum impact in reaching that person who is disconnected from Jesus, you want to excel in those first three things of high potency, uh, close proximity, and clear communication. So two weeks ago, we dug into high-potency living. What does it mean to be a high-potency Christian and, and, and how we need to practice what we preach, right? We need to live out our faith. Then last week, Pastor Mark was here, and he talked about close proximity and, and how we want to invest in those people in, in your one and rub shoulders with them so that you can then share with them or reflect to them the love of Christ by being kind or serving them in some way or helping them or being gracious. Today, we're going to look at the third element, and that's clear communication. We're going to talk about the important role that that has in connecting this person with Jesus. And, and um, the reason why is because at some point, I am convinced, at some point, this person, okay, this person to whom you are demonstrating a high-potency lifestyle, okay, you're walking the talk, you're practicing what you preach, this person to whom you are uh, developing a close proximity and building, you know, some relationships with, you're rubbing shoulders with them, at some point, they're going to want to know wh why are you acting this way? Why is it that you live this way when nobody else seems to be living this way? Why is it that you do what you do? Why do you believe what you believe? And so to help us with that, what I would like to do is look at that passage that Mark, Pastor Mark read just a moment ago from Acts 26. Okay, in Acts 26, as, as Pastor Mark pointed out, uh, Mark, I'm sorry, Paul, the apostle Paul, is on, he's in prison for his faith, right? He was arrested for preaching about Jesus, and, and um, yet he gets this opportunity to defend himself in front of this courtroom filled with officials and city leaders and a king by the name of Agrippa. So Paul does that, and, and he communicates in a way that is very clear and powerful. But what I'd like to do is take a look at what Paul has done in this, in this passage from Acts 26. 
I want to look at several of those principles of a, the, from the example of clear communication that Paul offers and share them with you. And I want to share them with you so that you can learn about them and apply them to your life when you're talking to your one. All right? So these are just basic principles about clear communication that you can apply to your life. And the first principle of clear communication that you want to follow, and it's a very basic one, but you always want to start with them, right? You always want to start with the other person. Because if you start talking, you may not stop, right? You just continue to talk and talk, and, and then they don't get in a word edgewise about what's going on in their world. And you don't want that, right? The last thing you want is to give any kind of impression that you don't care about them or you're not interested in them. So let them talk. Let them just go on and on and talk about their life and what's going on in their world and talk about themselves. Let them talk. And, and here's why I share that. Because when you build a relationship with anyone, it always helps to establish a common ground. Right? Something that you have in common with that person. And when you hear them talk about it, that, that happens. Paul, in Acts 26, established a common ground with King Agrippa. Listen to what he says here in verses 2 and 3. He says, King Agrippa, I consider myself fortunate to stand before you today as I make my defense against all the accusations of the Jews, and especially so because you are well acquainted with all the Jewish customs and controversies. Therefore, I beg you to listen to me patiently. So even though Paul is in this huge courtroom, there's all these other officials, all these other church leaders, Paul is focused right in on King Agrippa. He's speaking just to him, and he establishes a common ground. The common ground, they're both Jews. They're both Jews. Now, the argument could easily be made that King Agrippa was hardly a practicing Jew, hardly a faithful Jew, all right? But he was a Jew. And he and Paul were both well-educated, and both he and Paul knew the details of the Jewish faith. So that was their common ground. What's really interesting is that even though I'm sure, I'm sure Paul did not think very highly of King Agrippa's lifestyle or values, yet he still spoke to him with respect. right? Because he knew he, he needed to connect with King Agrippa, and he needed to earn the right to be heard. But that's Paul's M.O. throughout his life. That's, that's, that's who he is. In, in 1 Corinthians 9, Paul says, I've become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. So Paul was willing to do whatever it took to make sure that his message was clearly communicated. And in this particular context, this situation, he started with his one and that was King Agrippa. So to have the maximum impact upon your one, to make sure your communication is clear, I would always recommend you just start with the other person. Seriously, just let them talk. Let them talk and talk until they wear themselves out or whatever. Just let them talk. That way you get to know about them because then you can identify with them. You can understand where they're coming from. You know what's going on in their world. All right. Second principle to follow is to speak with confidence. Okay, know what it is that you're going to talk about so that you can speak about it with confidence. Paul, even though he was a prisoner, right, and he, was, he walked into that courtroom with chains on, yet he was not intimidated. He was not hesitant. He was bold and poised. At one time, he confidently appealed to everybody in, in that courtroom, 
On another occasion, he confidently appealed to King Agrippa. On another occasion, uh, the Roman governor who was there, a guy by the name of Festus, so Roman governor Festus calls Paul crazy. And, and yet Paul doesn't back down. He, he, he listened to what he said. He calmly replies in verse 25. He says, I am not insane, most excellent Festus. What I am saying is true and reasonable. Paul spoke with confidence. And he spoke with confidence for two very important reasons, for, for two very good reasons. First, he knew who God was. Paul knew that the truth about God and his love for him and for the rest of this world, right? So he knew also the truth about Jesus, that Jesus lived and died and rose again, and that he set all people free, including himself, from sin and the power of, of uh, the punishment of, of, of hell. So he knew the truth about God. He knew that God is a gracious God, a forgiving God, faithful God, all-powerful God. He knew all about God. And that's why Paul says in 2 Timothy 1, I'm not ashamed because I know whom I have believed and am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him for that day. Paul knew who God was and that gave him confidence. Second though, Paul also knew who he was. He knew that he was a recipient of God's grace. He knew that by the Spirit's power and through his baptism, he became an adopted child of God's family and that heaven was his home. So no, he was not intimidated by some measly earthly king or some Roman court. He was not intimidated at all. He had confidence because he knew who God was and he knew who he was. And here's why I'm sharing this. For all of you sitting here right now, for all of you watching online right now, knowing who God is and who you are is critical. Seriously. If, and I would argue the reason why some of you sitting here right now may be timid and I say that timid in what you believe or maybe unsure of your faith. It's because you haven't done the homework to know who God is or where you stand in his family. And that's bad. I mean, Paul talks about that in Ephesians 4, verse 14. He talks about you being tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching. And that's terrible. And when that happens, you will lack confidence. I just, you will. So here's the challenge for all of you today. I want to challenge you to get into God's word. I, I am a broken record up here. I tell you this all the time. Get into God's word. Seriously, open up that book called the Bible and read so you know who God is and who you are and you can build and strengthen your faith. Now, I, I get it. I understand that reading a book that thick can be intimidating. But try it. In fact, let me offer this suggestion. Try this app, Read Scripture. It's a, it's a free app. You can download it now. I'll even give you permission to do it just right now. Just download it. Free app. And here's why I like you get through the Bible in a year. And it also offers these little animated videos before each book of the Bible that helps explain what it is you're reading. So that is very helpful. And there are several videos in some of the books. So it's, just, it's, it's a great tool, and it opens your eyes to the unfolding love of God for this world, for, for his people, for you and for me. Now, of course, that's not the only tool. We offer you know, free devotional booklets and all kinds of other things. But again, the point is that you take time, seriously, 10, 15 minutes, get into God's word. Here's why. When you are grounded in the truth of God's word, and you are clear as to who God is and secure as to who you are, you will be confident in what you have to say. I guarantee it. 
All right. Third principle to follow is to, um, to make sure that you organize what you say. When Paul was talking to King Agrippa, he didn't just aimlessly ramble on and on and on, right? He organized his thoughts. It was obvious that he thought through ahead of time of what he was going to speak, uh, speak about. For example, he starts off by talking about his life when he was younger. So Paul says in verse 4, he says, the, king, the Jews all know the way I have lived ever since I was a child from the beginning of my life in my own country and also in Jerusalem. So Paul starts to talk about his life before he was a Christian. And, and for those of you who were baptized as an infant or, or raised in the church, this might refer to that time uh, in your life before your faith became real for you. Where it was just something that your parents taught you or a Sunday school teacher taught you. It was just, you know, just kind of words. And then Paul goes on, and we didn't read this, Pastor Mark didn't read this, but he goes on and talks in verses 12 through 18 about his life uh, when his, uh, he, he met the risen Christ on the road to Damascus, and his life is completely turned around, completely transformed. And, and for those of you sitting here, for some of you, that may be when the light bulb just clicked on for you. And by the Spirit's power, Jesus became real. He became your personal Savior. Or, or maybe you became uh, aware of God at work in your life in a way that maybe you weren't before. You know, how, wow, he really has blessed me in all of these ways. Or he really rescued me in this situation. Or he's really made a difference in my life. Right? It, it, whatever it is, it's just, you know, things clicked for, um, clicked for you. Third, then, Paul finally, he wraps things up in verse 19 and he says this. So then, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the vision from heaven. So then he wraps things up by talking about his life after Jesus is now his Lord and King. And here's where I'm going with all of this. Paul, he organizes his thoughts in a way that's just very natural and chronological, right? And that is an effective way to communicate. I mean, think about when you watch TV and you see TV commercials, the commercials that are really effective are the ones that show before and after images, Right? When you use this particular medication that helps with your arthritis and afterwards while you're playing football with all the guys or you know, when you're taking this you know, particular uh, diet and, you, and you're following this diet, you, know, you lose 30 pounds or whatever, you, know, you take this product. The, that is an effective way to communicate. Now obviously in this case, right, right here, we're not, we're not that's just a surface level change. We're not talking about that. We're talking about a deep heartfelt change that's going to impact this person's eternity. We're talking about helping this person know and believe that they have a God who loves them. And based on what Jesus accomplished on the cross and Calvary, that he forgives and saves them. Right? So, so just understand when it comes to clear communication, you want to think through for yourself, okay, how has God blessed me? Okay? You think about that for yourself. How has he helped me? How has he healed me? How has he rescued me? Whatever. I, I don't know. Every, every one of you has a different encounter with God. But think about that and organize those thoughts so that they'll be ready when that opportunity, when it, when it comes. Now, some of you may be sitting here right now and maybe getting a little panicky because you know you're going to have to talk to this person. It's a little intimidating. It's a little scary. And you're thinking, I ain't doing that. And I get that. So I just want to remind you, you're not giving a speech to hundreds of people. Okay, you're just having a conversation. Okay, like Laura, in those big, long words, I, you know, I have to look up some of those words. Or what are those words? You don't have to, you're just talking to that person about 
who God is for you? What, what difference has he made in your life? How has he helped you or guided you or blessed you? That's it. Okay? That's all we're doing. You're just talking one-on-one. Like Paul was talking with King Agrippa. He was in a crowd, but he was still just talking to King Agrippa. All right. Fourth principle to follow is to connect with them. This is another very important step. Right? It, this is a very important step. You want to take what God has done for you, who he is, the difference he's made in your life, and connect it with that other person. This is so important. Okay? I, I mean, I, yesterday I watched a lot of college football. It was a wonderful day. But I want to tell you, how effective, think about how effective it would be if a football coach, if all he did was talk to the team about winning the game and never coach them or, or have them call certain plays that would help them win the game, right? It, unif- not effective at all. So if you're going to talk to somebody else, if you're going to talk to your one about who Jesus is and the difference he's made, make sure you connect it to their life, that they can say, oh yeah, I can see how that would work for me. Because otherwise, you're just sharing information, and that's not, the, that's not the goal. The goal is to move them closer to Jesus. And you see that in the story in Acts 26. Paul is talking with Agrippa. Look at what he says here. Paul says, The king is familiar with these things, and I can speak freely to him. I am convinced that none of this has escaped his notice, because it was not done in a corner. King, here it is. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know you do. Do you see what Paul did? Did you notice that? He connected King Agrippa with his own life experience as a Jew. And, and, and that's, that is just so important. If you're going to share who Jesus is and what he has done for you and in, in your life, okay, the difference he's made, how he's helped you, blessed you, whatever, you want to make sure that you apply it to this other person. You want to apply it to them. Right? You want to make sure that you explain how what you're telling them can bless them, how it will impact them. All right, last principle, and this is hands down the most important one, and I share this with you a lot as well, but it's, you have to do this, right? Point them to Christ, right? Always, always point to the cross. Always, always talk about who Jesus is. At some point in time, you got to tell them the difference that Jesus can make. That was, for Paul, he was clear and, and he was bold because that was his mission. A couple chapters earlier in Acts 20, Paul says, I consider my life worth nothing to me if only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. The task, here it is, of testifying to the gospel, the good news of God's grace. So Paul's focus wasn't on you know, saving his own physical life, but on saving the spiritual lives of others. He was pointing people to the cross left and right. He wanted them to know the difference that Jesus could make in their life. That they didn't have to walk around with a burden or a weight of feeling guilty over some past mistakes or poor choices that they made. Right? He invited them to know what he, we all should know, that when we confess our sins and our failures, God is a God of love and grace, and he will Lift the burden of that guilt. He will free us from that weight because of what Jesus has accomplished in our behalf on that bloodstained cross. You know, Paul's life, Paul's life was transformed by the cross of Jesus Christ. And he wanted everybody else's life to be transformed as well, to experience that same joy, love, peace, hope. And when he was in that courtroom with all those officials and city leaders and King Agrippa, they got the point. 
And we know that we, well, at least we know King Agrippa did. Because look at how he replies. He says, do you think that in such a short time you can persuade me to be a Christian? (laughs) Agrippa was feeling the challenge, right? He knew Paul was on a mission and that that mission was him. But Paul, again, he doesn't back down. Look at what he says in verse 29. He says, short time or long, I pray to God that not only you, Agrippa, but all who are listening to me today may become what I am except for these chains. Paul was pointing them to the cross. And King Agrippa knew that. In the end, King Agrippa knew that he had two options, right? He had two options. Either get right with God or get away from Paul. And if you read the rest of Acts 26, you'll see that sadly, King Agrippa chose option two. Got up and walked away. And and I just want you to understand, sometimes that's going to happen for you. But you don't need to worry about that. Your job is to plant the seed, right? Your job is to plant the seed and trust that the Holy Spirit is going to create growth and transformation in the life of this person. Your job is just plant the seed. So let me just challenge you in a couple of ways. Between now and next Sunday, let me challenge you in three ways. Number one, I want to challenge you to use each day to learn more about God and who you are as his child. Whether you use that Read Scripture app or you pull a Bible that's been in your drawer for years and you haven't dusted it off or whatever, get into God's Word so that you do know who God is and who you are because then you will, I guarantee, you will speak with confidence. Do your homework. Second, think through what you will say to someone who's spiritually lost. Think through your life. Think about how God has blessed you, how he's been at work in your life, how he's made a difference in your life, and organize those thoughts so that they will be available for you when the opportunity arises. And then third, ask for God, ask God for opportunities to point your one to Jesus. Ask God for opportunities to point them to the cross so that they too can know the difference that Jesus can make, not just in their life here and now, Okay, but ultimately, and most importantly, for their eternity. So let's pray about that. What do you think? Let's pray. Let's pray about that. Father in heaven, I thank you that through your word, you have clearly communicated to us your love and grace in Jesus as our Savior. We praise you for that. We want to live high-potency lives. We want to develop close proximity to those who are spiritually uh, disconnected from you. And help us, Lord, now, as we just talked about clear communication, help us to do that, to be bold in sharing you and the difference you have made in our lives and the love that you have for us and for all people. Help us to be bold in sharing that. Father, bless this series and bless us as we look for ways to have a maximum impact on those around us. We love you. We pray all this in Jesus' great name. And all God's people said, amen.